Welcome in. We've got a hump day edition of the Sports Huddle for you here on SEMO ESPN Radio. You can find us at 1220 AM, 93.5 FM, and online at com. Eric Sean and the Missouri Sports Hall of Famer, Jess Bolin, inviting you to join us here in the huddle. Here's our EBOMD huddle hotline number 573-334-1220. 573-334-1220. The huddle hotline is powered by EBO. MD Jess Bolin in the house. How are things? Great. No sunshine. Had it yesterday. Can't expect it two days in a row. That's getting crazy. If you think we're going to get it two days in a row, but you'll make it. Check out any uh, college basketball last night? No, not really. I, I kind of spent a lot of time watching the Major League Baseball Network because of the winter meetings going on. You may have something pop any moment. Nothing, I don't think Otani will sign for a while, maybe the first of the year. Everybody believes that's holding everything up. I think it is too. Cause his, there is nothing going on at the winter meetings. What he's going to get is going to set the standard for everybody else. Of course, nobody's at the standard he is. So you can say, well, is somebody going to be 75% as valuable as him? Set the wage, you know. But they're talking, can you believe this, $500 million in my world? I think that is one half of billion per season for, for the contract. Not per season, thank God. That is a lot of money. I never thought I'd see the day that players would make this kind of money. I mean, back in the day for me, Ted Williams and Stan Musial were the class of each league. I think both of them reached 100000 but if you go back in time and say how much was 100000 in 1960 compared to today, I still don't re- think you'd reach those numbers, do you? It, it's, it just wouldn't compute out, I don't think. Watched uh, some of the North Carolina-Connecticut game last night. UConn beat North Carolina. And I watched a lot of the Oklahoma State-SIU game. Power 5 conference school coming to Carbondale. And the Salukis held on and beat them 70-68. Now, Oklahoma State's not very good. They're 3-5. and five. But... Power 5 school, and I believe they said Indiana was the last Power 5 to come to Carbondale, so it's been a long time. So, good performance by them. The color analyst for that game, and I don't know what his name is, uh, SAU has a really good point guard, Xavier Johnson, scored 32 points. I think he's fourth in the nation in scoring, but he got swept up in the emotion and said, name me a better point guard in the country than Xavier Johnson of SIU. And I was like, okay, he's scoring a lot of points. Um, 
Does he really believe that Southern Illinois has the best point guard in the country? Uh, maybe, yeah. He might. You know, going for what he sees and thinks that's the best competition in the world in college. That's where I think you get misled a lot of times. Who are you doing it against? You know, you go out and beat somebody about 30, 40 points. Does that mean you're ready to take on the national champions? I, it's easy to look good when you're playing a team that's got about 75% of your ability. Maybe you got a height advantage. I'm talking basketball now. But whether you could do that against Kansas or Kentucky, see what he do there. And then tell me he's the best. I'm not saying he's not. He could be. 32 points. He had a good game. Got to the line a lot. Kansas beat Kansas City, the team that beat SEMO last week. Uh, Kansas is up to number two in the national rankings, 88-69. Did Missouri play Kansas Saturday? Saturday at 415. They play the Jayhawks. Also last night, I thought it was interesting as SIU beats Oklahoma State, their best player from a year ago, his name is Marcus Damask. He transferred to Illinois, and he scored a career-high 33 last night as Illinois beat Florida Atlantic. Illini are ranked 20th, Florida Atlantic 11th. Remember, Florida Atlantic went to the Final Four last year. So they had two guys that scored 33 points for Illinois, including Damask. And Grand Canyon the team that uh, beat SEMO to open the year. They improved to 7-1. and one. They're 5-0 and oh at home. They beat 25th-ranked San Diego State. Kind of showing you Grand Canyon is for real. They're really good. All San Diego State did was play in the national championship game last year against UConn. So some of the highlights from uh, basketball last night in Wisconsin goes – to Michigan State, who is now unranked. Wisconsin ranked 23rd, and they beat the Spartans 70-57. to So that's a, that's a take-it-on-the-chin loss. So there you go, little, uh, little college hoops. And you've got more tonight, Jess. It's a non-Division one. Harris Stowe will be at the Show Me Center. 6.30, the SEMO men trying to get a little winning streak together here. If they would win tonight, that would be two in a row. That's the beginning of a streak. Yeah. And then they've got to go to 8-1, and one, Purdue-Fort Wayne, for a game on Saturday. So you're caught up on the college basketball. Now, what's interesting about the baseball winter meetings, and today's the last day, Cardinals have done zilch at the meetings. Of course, they've already signed the three starting pitchers. Everybody, well, many believe that Otani, whenever he signs, it will open things up and then other contracts are going to start start going. Other moves are going to be made. Juan Soto, Josh Hader, some of the big names on the market, Cody Bellinger. 
Ken Rosenthal from The Athletic reported earlier this week at the spring training facility for the Toronto Blue Jays. They met with Otani on Monday at their spring training complex in Dunedin, Florida. That's according to Ken Rosenthal. And then with all the secrecy around Otani, and apparently he did not want a lot of information kind of released, Dave Roberts, the manager of the Dodgers, just flat out, someone asked him, you know, they do those little impromptu news conferences. You find somebody at the Opryland Hotel, put a microphone in front of them, and start asking them questions. And he said, yeah, we uh, we met with Shohei Otani. So he just came right out and yeah. said it. And then yeah. the Dodgers GM, uh, no comment. We, you know, yeah. yeah, we're not. I heard that interview. And um, why be secret about it? I mean, people know that the Dodgers are always going to be in there. Yankees going to be in there. Maybe San Diego. Maybe the Cubs. The big marketplaces where they've got, they've got plenty of money. Or they've got an owner that's sitting on billions of dollars. So it's what's the secret? He's out there. You know, you're interested. So what? What about it? I mean, I wouldn't see. I don't understand why it's a, supposed to be a secret, unless you're trying to make make it look like there's nobody interested. You're cutting down on the market, you know, by keeping it a secret. I don't know. It's a it's business, big business. If you want to say it's not, I know they say, well, it's just a game. Well, it is on the field, yes, but. To run a, any kind of team, it's business off the field that's just as much as there is on field. Well, most insiders in MLB believe the Dodgers have been saving their money to make a run. At a, they've been saving their money for the last two years in hopes of making a run at Otani. So they have met with him. He's met with the Blue Jays, according to... Reports in The Athletic by Ken Rosenthal. And then Susan Slusser of the San Francisco Chronicle wrote that there were, quote, rumblings that Otani was in San Francisco on Saturday while a number of the Giants' top decision makers were at Oracle Park. Giants are a player. Uh, MLB also reports the Angels and Cubs have been considered other finalists to sign Otani. However, yesterday a report surfaced that the Cubs were out of the Otani sweepstakes, but their president of baseball operations, Jed Hoyer, refuted that claim. Here's Hoyer's quote. I don't know where that came from. There's nothing to report whatsoever. (laughs) They're all politicians now, the GMs. You know, um, you know, when you sign Otani, you got to remember, at least for the first year, you're getting half of his talent. You're going to get the hitter, but you're not going to get the pitcher. So, and doesn't he have a shoulder injury? Or, or is it rotator cuff, Otani? Tommy John. Tommy John, okay. Yeah, Tommy John. Well, he'll probably sure. come back from that then. As good as he was. I fear shoulders, you know, if, with a pitcher, more than I do the Tommy John surgery. But you won't have him this year. But next year, if he comes back healthy from that surgery, which I think he will, 
then you got a a two-way superstar, a guy that could be your number one pitcher and could be your number one home run hitter. I don't think he lead team in average, but he could. I wouldn't put anything past him, would you? He had 300 last He's year. He's just a talented player. Probably, probably when he was healthy before he injured himself with that Tommy John, he was the best player in the game, and I don't think you, you would have an argument with anybody, would you? saying he's the best overall player in the game? Just won the MVP for yeah, the second how, time. How could you argue with him? Name me another player that could win 20 games on the mound and, and run, win the Cy Young and win the batting title. There's nobody. And he's capable of doing both those things. So you're going to pay a lot to get him, no doubt about it, whoever gets him. But market value, talk about this so much, but market value that he will bring to your team the increased attendance that he's going to bring to your team. Now, you, if you figure all that in, you can start chopping down that massive money you're giving him. You're never going to get it down to $20 million a year or something like that, but you could, you could chop millions off of that total money, no doubt about it. And How much is it hurting his total value? That he can't pitch. Well, it not I next think it, year. Yeah, I think it hurts it and probably. You, and you're you're believing that he will likely come back and be close to what he was before, but we don't know. Well, I mean, there's ways to figure that and get close. I'd say what fifteen percent cost him, maybe ten. Reason why I say that you're only losing him for one year on that massive ability. If you were losing him forever. If you say, well, he can never pitch again, now you can really get into it. You know, you could chop millions and millions off the money. Half a billion dollars for a designated hitter. <laughs> yeah, that's what it comes to. The first year. You know, the second year, I'm assuming he's going to be back to normal, which is bad for the American League. It, well, it may not be the American League. It could sign with the Cubs or Dodgers. I think he's going to the Dodgers. I do, too. Although, it looks like the Blue Jays are serious. Here, uh, yeah, I saw that, too. And I think the Giants are serious. I well, mean, they, remember, they made a huge offer to Aaron Judge. That fell flat. They thought they were going to have a deal with Correa, but the physical, uh, he did not pass the physical, and so the Giants backed away. They are looking for a face of their organization, and I think the Giants are going to spend. I think you're right. I think the Giants are a bigger player in this than you would think. I mean, they don't like the Dodgers, and that goes all the way back to when I was a kid. They don't. I mean, it's a rivalry, but not like the Cubs and Cardinals. I don't think they want to go out to dinner after the game, Dodgers and Cub, uh, Dodgers and Giant fans. No. And I think San Francisco has won a lot of – they've won more World Series in the last 20 years than the Dodgers have, no doubt. But I don't think that's enough. The Dodgers have won how many tie, uh, division championships? So I think the Giants are tired of seeing the Dodgers win uh, division titles, even though they haven't won a lot of World Series. There's big rivalry there, and I think you're right. I think the Giants could be the team that he goes to. I wouldn't be surprised at all. But I think the Giants and Dodgers probably going to be the two that fight it out for him. And I don't care who gets him. It's, you know, he's good for the game. 
Dodgers have won 10 straight division titles. Yeah. And one World Series, if I was correct. 2020, won it in the bubble. So, I, he, like you said a while ago, he's the face of the game, Otani. And he, you know, see, most valuable player, I've always argued this point. Sorry, 10 of 11 years they've won the West. 2021, they were wild card. I'm assuming the Giants won that year. The Giants, last few years, one time, one year they had that they didn't they win like 106 games. 107. Yeah, maybe that's the year that they beat the Dodgers out. But we talk about Otani. Yeah, it was 2021. MVP. Right. See, to me, I've always felt this. It's not the MVP of your team. It's the MVP of the league. In other words, does the league benefit by you playing in it more than any other player, the National League or the American League? So when it's MVP, but his team didn't win the championship, I think it's the most MVP, the most precious piece of stock that you have in the league. That's the way I always looked at the MVP. Now, I'm unbelievably totally wrong, but that's the way I've always looked at it, that you don't have to be on a championship team. Now, I think they do have a different award, don't they? Best player in the game or something like that. I don't know. Hank Aaron Award. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you? How do you look at the MVP? Don't you think it should be the most valuable player for the league? When, he, when that team comes to town... Because they got him on the roster, you're going to get better attendance. Otani comes to town playing with the Dodgers. Don't you think there'd be more people there than there would be if he wasn't on the team? Of course. People will come out just to see him. And the only reason that Otani has not won three straight MVPs is because Aaron Judge went crazy, crazy and yeah. broke Roger Maris's home run record. Or he would have won that year. Now, this upcoming season, if he is strictly a DH and looks like that's what it's going to be, coming back from Tommy John, that's the one year where he would have to put up remarkable numbers to be the MVP. And he did last year. I mean, heck, what what he missed the final month of the season, still hit, what, he hit 44 home runs? You know, we hear this 500, 500 million, which is unbelievable. I, I I can't see him getting that much. <clears throat> I don't know how old he is. I'd there say are some say the bidding is approaching six hundred million, but that's not confirmed. Are we just losing complete sense about money? I mean, is is it got to the point where a million dollars is pocket change? I just it's hard for me to fathom that. See, I grew up poor and in an era through the 50s and 60s that if you had $20 in your pocket you could take two three other people out to eat <laughs> it's hard for me to fathom that kind of money so you mentioned some of the good baseball rivalries Dodgers Giants Cubs Cards Yankees, Boston. arguably, Yankees, Red Sox, 
is number one in baseball. You can make an argument that well, I, I agree. It's not, but I, I would think say Giants, Dodgers, second. More people would probably say Yankees, Red Sox. They made a trade yesterday. The Yankees, who are right-handed dominant at the plate, and they were among the worst offenses in baseball last year, just strikeout after strikeout. Got a left-handed hitter, Alex Verdugo. Now, people that follow it closely say, well, that's that's not going to slow them down from their pursuit of Juan Soto. They want Soto. Don't know if they can get a package good enough together for the Padres, but most believe with the payroll cutting in San Diego, he's going to make, I think, $34 million this upcoming season. He's still in arbitration. He's got one year left on his contract. So they got Verdugo, who last year with the Red Sox got 546 at-bats, so it was a full season. Hit 264, 13 homers, 54 RBIs, but left-handed pop for that ballpark. They are looking for some power from the left side of the plate, which is why they're so interested in Soto. And because they acquired Verdugo, MLB insiders do not believe that's going to slow their pursuit of Soto. Although those contract discussions have slowed with Soto because of Otani. Well, didn't you say it's a trade? Yes. Well, why would it stop their vision to get Soto? If they, I mean, they didn't spend any money. If they got Otani. On a trade, they Maybe didn't they're spend not money. interested in Soto. Well, I wouldn't either. I'd get Otani. I wouldn't be interested in nobody or anyone. So Verdugo traded. And one of the other interesting things that happened yesterday is they did the MLB draft lottery. Well, the Washington Nationals won the lottery, but they cannot take the first overall pick because they entered the draft lottery with the fifth worst record in baseball. They were 71 and 91. The year after they selected Outfielder Dylan Cruz with the second overall pick. And because they are a payer club, categorized as clubs that give and receive revenue-sharing dollars, they cannot be selected in back-to-back lotteries. So, by rule, voted on by the Players Association and Major League Baseball, even though they won it, they got moved to 10th. And the Cleveland Guardians, who had a 2% chance of getting the number one pick, got the number one pick. The Cardinals get number seven, don't they? Cardinals are seven. And they're picking behind the Cincinnati Reds. It's Guardians, Reds, Rockies, Athletics, White Sox five, Royals six, Cardinals seven. You're going to get a good player at seven. Well, sure. But are they going to select a Matthew Liebertor or Jake Woodford first-round pick? Guys that flamed out? Uh, we, we're still waiting to see about Liebertor, but Woodford, they gave up on him. 
not even a member of the Cardinals. When's the last time the Cardinals developed and brought up an all-star type pitcher? They would, brought up outfielders galore. I would say it's got to be Adam Wainwright. I know they got him in a trade, but he was still in the Cardinal minor league system. But he, I don't think they developed him. Wasn't he, uh, uh, wasn't he Atlanta? What, didn't he finally make it up to Atlanta Braves for a game or so? Wainwright? You know, a guy that they drafted, <clears throat> developed, maybe out of high school, college, that developed into a big league pitcher. I guess you could say Dakota Hudson. He won 16 games in the big leagues one year. Developed, drafted, developed by the Cardinals. Gave up on him. Yeah, he's gone. Um, yeah, Wainwright never, never got called Bud up. Bud Smith, Braves. but he was in AAA. Wainwright was when the Cards got him, so he was developed. Bud Smith, you remember him? Threw a no-hitter. Would he be in that group? He flamed out, arm injury. It's hard to think of a Cardinals bringing up a a guy that... Carlos Martinez? Well, he could be in that group as the best they've ever brought up. He's gone. Flamed out, what, he wasn't even 30? They just don't develop pitchers well. Remember Jimenez threw a no-hitter? Yeah, I remember both of them. I listened to right. uh, Bud Smith. They brought him in as well. against San Diego. Wasn't it? But what I'm trying to get to is they brought up outfielders and send them somewhere else that make all-star teams and bat third in somebody's lineup. But as far as bringing up pitchers, developing pitchers, they have to rank way down in the bottom bottom. 10 in the league, don't you think, out of 30 teams? No, they developed two all-star pitchers, but traded them. Sandy Alcantara and Zach Gallon. There you go. That, that's the two best right there, and they're playing for somebody else. Never pitched for the Cardinals in the big leagues. And I've, I remember I fought like heck to keep Alcantara, not Gallon. Gallon slipped by me. I didn't know, you know that he was a Cardinal prospect when they traded him but uh i contra i squeal like a pen under a gate i had no luck at all saving it i saw him pitch in in spring training and really liked him and because uh, he was a horse and he could fit shuffle 98 miles an hour hey, Mar- marcelo zuna was serviceable when he was with the cardinals He's a gold glover, man. He's a gold glove winner. Climbing the wall, the ball bounces behind you. (laughs) Right on the warning track. Twice. He did it twice. Climb the wall and the ball lands on the track. He's sad story. Not once, but twice. Gold glove, that's a joke. And do you remember how Cardinal fans would get up in arms because he wore that bright greenish sleeve. I didn't like it either. Greenish sleeve. I didn't like it at all. And I didn't get up in arms about it. It's not a big issue to me as far as it's not my team. But you would have had trouble wearing that on the Capitals. Uniforms are supposed to match up. Now, we've gotten away from that somewhat. And see, you're 
to be properly dressed in a uniform, baseball uniform, your cap, your belt, and your stirrups or socks are supposed to be matching colors or same color. And teams just got away from all that. That's outdated now. Well, of course it is. And see, to be properly dressed, you take basketball teams right now in college. And I know you get into all these free shoes. But to me, a team properly dressed, beautiful new uniforms, but everybody's got different colored shoes on, black, green, yellow, all this. I don't like that. See, back when I played, everybody had Converse All-Stars. And you got people wearing the long underwear under the shorts. Yeah. And they cut one side out, so you've only got long underwear on one leg. Yeah. I mean, a T-shirt underneath the, the jersey or no T-shirt, sweatbands, yeah. sleeves, you know, the, the Marcelo Zuna sleeve. Got a sleeve on your knee. I never was an Azuna guy in a way. You know, back I knew he I knew he could hit home runs and driving runs for that point. Gold Glover. You respect him. So if this is the last day of the winter meetings, Cardinals gonna do anything? I doubt it. Now supposedly Derek Gould said that uh they have talked to some representatives of some potential relievers. And they are brainstorming as to whether or not they want to go free agency or a trade to help restock the bullpen. Have you heard anybody, and I mean any team or MLB network, talking about Jack Flaherty? No. I haven't either. I wonder what his market's going to be. No, not good. He's going to be one of them eight to ten million dollar one con- one year contract pitchers, don't you think? They, did he even make the playoff roster for the Orioles? No, no, he did. That's how bad he pitched. He came out he his, started first, his first game. He his was great. first game, he was terrific. Yes, that and was I, it. After that. And he's a young pitcher that was considered, uh, I mean, one of the top 25% pitchers in the big leagues there after that great second half he had about three years ago. He's the best pitcher in the National League there for about a half a year. So his stock really went tumbling. So the cards could bring him back, but if they did, he'd probably be hurt the first or second game he pitches. I mean, you go back, that great second half that he had, that was 2019. That was a long time ago. That's right. A long time ago. means nothing at all now. You got to go by the last year or two. And the next year, now he only started nine games, of course, in 2020, the COVID season, but he had an ERA of 491. Last year with Cardinals, 4.43 ERA as a member of the Baltimore Orioles, pitching nine games, two out of the pen when they shipped him to the bullpen. He had an ERA in nine games for the Baltimore Orioles, seven starts, 
of 675. That's not good. I guess out of Montgomery, Flaherty, and Jordan Hicks, for their prospective teams they went to, Montgomery was by far the best pitcher, and Jordan Hicks, number two, and Flaherty, number three. Why do you hate Chris Stratton? I don't know anything about him. I don't know what he did. Won a World Series. I don't have a computer in front of me. Thank God you do. Won the World Series with the uh, with the Texas Rangers. Well, he didn't win the World Series. He was on the World Series team. There you go. For Texas, he had a 1-0 record through 29 innings. Pitched in 22 games with Texas. ERA 341. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good finish. Well, I I didn't dislike him when he was with the Cardinals. I didn't think he's I thought he's kind of a throw in on the deal they made with Pirates. But um for Quintana. Yeah, and he was not disappointing. I mean, he he would seem like he would work out a bases loaded jam about as well as anybody they had. It's going to be interesting to me to see who Flaherty goes to. Because I think Jack Flaherty actually had more swagger when he's with the Cardinals than he should have had. Don't you think? You could do an interview with Jack Flaherty back when he's with the Cards, and you'd think he's the best pitcher that ever pitched. You know, the two Cardinals that come to mind who had swagger, Beyond what they accomplished on a major league baseball Jack field. Jack Flaherty, one of them. Jack Flaherty and Harrison Bader. They're both of them, yeah. Now, one's a California guy, if I'm not mistaken, in Flaherty, and one's a New York guy in Bader. I'm definite about Bader. I'm not so sure about Flaherty. But I think Flaherty's from San Francisco area or somewhere out there. So the, maybe those lifestyles they live went to in, high school in Los Angeles. Yeah, they, those the cities they were from. Maybe it kind of had something to do with their boisterous type of attitude. Um, that might be not be the word. I don't remember going around and bragging about stuff or anything like this. But uh, they had the swagger, no question, both of them, for what they accomplished. Do you believe in swagger? Of course. I do, too. I always wanted my pitchers to have that because, to me, you can say confidence just as well as swagger. Confident of what he can do. And so I always wanted my pitchers maybe have a little nasty streak in them. And probably the most swagger of anybody ever pitched for me was Trey Hastings, left-hander, best best I had, best Simo had, the best Legion had, the best high school player they had, Central, 
and he was only like 5'8". I think Doc Yowley would tell you he's the best pitcher he ever had, and he's the best pitcher I ever had. Now, the second guy on that list for me would be John Glidewell, but he should have had swaggers pitching for me. He pitched AAA with Montreal Expos back then. And can you imagine he was he was clocked at ninety five miles an hour in high school? <laughs> that's a that's a that's a good number in big leagues, much less in high school. Who hit him in high school? I wonder. That's uh, and besides that, he had a great slider. I asked Bruce Qualls sometime. You ever see Bruce about his slider? Got some uh, breaking news at the winter meetings. Joel Sherman reporting. The Baltimore Orioles and Craig Kimbrell are close to a deal. Boy, Kimbrell's modeled a few uniforms in the last five years, isn't he? Is that is that the fourth or fifth team that he's been with now? Yeah, he's been on several. I really liked him with the Cubs. I liked him with that back-to-back homers by Yachty and DeYoung to win the game in Chicago. He stunk. <laughs> Did you see that game? I saw it. That was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> so I don't remember who hit the first one. I think Yachty hit the first one. DeYoung, the second one, back-to-back from a one-run deficit to a one-run win. This will be the eighth team Craig Kimbrell has pitched for. Gosh. Five in Atlanta, three in Boston, three with the Cubs, Philly last year, Dodgers, Padres, White Sox all for That's a year. over 25% of every major league team. <laughs> It's um. He's a. So if he hangs the uniform in his basement in his man cave, he's got a lot of them. And I'll bet you money he's got a uniform of every team. What do you bet? At least a shirt, a uniform, uniform shirt. And I wouldn't blame him, would you? If you pitched in a big, you make you know how many? What's the percentage of people even making the big leagues, boys? Um, one Kim- in 300,000 maybe or something like that. Kimbrell is a professional bedwetter in the playoffs. Career, his career in the postseason, 0-3, 450 ERA. That's bedwetting. I would never trust him in a big spot. Sorry. Well, I think the big league starting pitching is watered down a little bit, don't you? I mean, uh, a three runs in six innings is considered a quality start, right? Right. Ain't that a 450-earned run average? That's what it is. That's to me, see, in my day, the guys that had the good earned run average was 3.1, 3.2, and less than three. Now, considered a... Quality start, 450 earn run average. So, in other words, if you were at nine instead of six, you would have gave up four and a half runs average. To me, that's not a quality start. 
You think Kimbrell's going to the Hall of Fame? Well, he's got 400 saves, doesn't he? 417 saves. Um, Career ERA of You know what they're going to do? They have to match 40. up with everybody else that's in the Hall of Fame. It's got 400. Bruce Suter's one of them. I don't know if Bruce had a 400, though. Did he? Did he? I think it was in the 300s. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The great Yankee closer, probably number one. Was it Rivera? Mariano Rivera. I, I was a little surprised when Trevor Hoffman made the Hall of Fame, but he's got 601 yeah, saves. Yeah, well, he's got to. He's got to make it. He's number one, isn't he? Was Rivera. Mariano Rivera, I believe, is number one. Yeah, 652, that's Major League so Rick. the number two guy has to be in there. I mean, I'm not a big Trevor Hoffman guy either because his best pitch was a slow ball. I think of overpowering relievers, you know, the guy that comes in. And, of course, Hoffman struck people out too. I mean, it's it's a weapon. The guy that I think as far as relief pitchers that should be in is Billy Wagner. He's got 422 saves. Career ERA just 230. He's got almost 1,200 strikeouts in 900 innings. I totally agree. 1,200 strikeouts in 900 innings. It'd be 1-2-3 with two Ks. That would be his line every time he came in a game. And he's a short-arm pitcher. But a little lefty, not very big. Five ten. But, buddy, could he throw? And when he came in the ninth inning, the Cards were playing Houston. I didn't think they would do anything. Did you? I mean, I pretty well thought the game was over. And I remember that's a great closer. In '98, McGuire hit one in the Big Mac land against them. <laughs> Walked it off. I remember him giving up that home run to McGuire. But it's hard to be perfect every time you go out there. Pitch a good inning every time. It's, it is the big leagues. But I would think he should be in the Hall of Fame, too, yes. And he's trending in that direction, his vote totals. But well, let's even, try to get him in there before he dies. Even his last year in the big leagues. 2010 was his last year at age 38. He had 37 saves for the Atlanta Braves. And a 143 ERA. His last year in the big leagues. No question he can pitch another year. Is it to you? And with those kind of numbers, I'd be glad to give him another contract. I think he gets in at some point. Yeah, he will. He's trending in that direction. Yes, I agree. All right, not the only uh, piece of news Jack Curry of the Yes Network has info on Juan Soto and the New York Yankees. We will give you that info when we come back. It is the Sports Huddle on SEMO ESPN. Red Hawk women's basketball tonight at 6. The men play at 6.30. 
Sports Huddle, SEMO ESPN, 1220, 93.5 FM. And we're always online. We're at SEMOESPN.com. Rusty Hendricks will have the Red Hawk women's basketball game at Purdue University tonight. That is a 6 o'clock Central Time tip-off. West Lafayette is in the Eastern Time Zone, but it'll be 6 o'clock local. And the Red Hawk men are at the Show Me Center, 6.30 against Harris Stowe tonight. Uh, Jess, Jack Curry of the Yes Network is reporting that the Yankees have intensified their efforts to acquire Juan Soto. And they could be parting ways with four or five players to get him, including pitchers Michael King and Drew Thorpe. Now, these are minor league guys. Or no, not King, is it? Um, and John Morosi has followed up with that today, saying that he has confirmed that Alex Verdugo, who was just acquired by the Yankees, will stay with the Yankees in the near term as opposed to to being moved to San Diego as part of the deal for Juan Soto. But it looks like they are getting close to a deal to get Juan Soto to the Bronx. Well, I think they are, too. When you start naming names of who's going to be possibly a refund for him, (laughs) um, I think they're close, probably. So earlier this week, the Atlanta Braves... (laughs) made a trade with the Seattle Mariners, and they acquired uh, really a high prospect, Jared Kelnick, who he was supposed to be the future for the Mariners, came up, struggled, they sent him back down. Uh, He did a little better after they called him back up. He's got a high ceiling. They acquired him. They also acquired Marco Gonzalez, just former Cardinal. And the Atlanta Braves immediately turn around and flip Marco Gonzalez to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, he's the guy the Cards traded traded for O'Neill, and that turned out okay for both teams. Really, um, better for Marco Gonzalez than it was for O'Neill. O'Neill had that one good year, and that's it. But um, Gonzalez was a pretty good pitcher. Seattle for a while. He's a guy developed by the cards and brought up, but he's he's a what, 85, 88 pitcher, maybe somewhere through there. He's not uh, overpowering whatsoever, but great curveball, good slider. And he managed a decent career in the major leagues. You know, that's the thing. If you can if you can manage five years in the big leagues. You will have an awesome pitching pension coming from big leagues at five years. So, you know, he's done that. Article today in the Post-Dispatch about this being the final year of Oliver Marmol's contract. And basically, Marmol says, if you're good, they keep you. So he is at least publicly saying he's not concerned about it. Uh, John Moselak quoted in the article as well, talking 
to reporters from his suite. Said, in hindsight, the Cardinals did not accurately calculate how much the absence of Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols after the 2022 season would impact the clubhouse, and they should have, considering how young the group was. Yeah, Cardinals were, what, second youngest team in the big leagues last year? I think second or third. Um I, and you know, I wouldn't have thought that. Would you? Would you have guessed that the Cardinals was that young, in comparison to other big league teams? But uh, especially when you, of course, some of that helps when you lose. It, it'll help more again this year when you losing Adam Wainwright, the age level of the Cards. Of course, then you brought in a couple thirty six, thirty seven year olds in Lynn and and uh, Gibson. Cards got a chance to do something this year that I don't know if it's ever been done. And you might know, but they won the division in 22, wasn't it? 22, Cards won the division. 23, they finished last. If they would win the division in 24... I don't know if that's ever been done where a team finished first, last, and then back to first. And they could win that division in Central. You know that. May not. Probably won't. But they could. From first to last, back to first in the division. Of course, there's many years go by in baseball. That probably possibly could have been done. But I bet it's not been done over once in all big league baseball history. Not last place, the Giants. They won the World Series with Bochi in 2010, 12, and 14. The other two years, 2011 and 2013, they missed the playoffs. Didn't finish last, but they missed the playoffs. So they went World Series, no playoffs. World Series, no playoffs. World Series. Interesting, but not last place finish. Last first, uh, first, and then last, and then first. I in my lifetime, I, I it might have happened. I just don't remember it ever happening. Because you you can't imagine a team that wins a division title with six teams in it or five. Well, I can't imagine the roster right now is more than a five hundred roster. Oh no, they're not. They're not predicted to win anything. I don't think Cards will be, but uh, I saw. It just depends on your pitching staff. If if some of these pitchers Cards brought in had good years, for instance, Miles Michaelis and Steven Match are capable of winning twelve, fourteen games. If that happened, sure you could win that division. But it all comes down to pitching. It's, I say that over and over and over. No matter what team you got, I don't care where it's at. If you got good pitching, you got a chance. I saw Oliver Marmol interviewed on MLB Network yesterday. Did you see that? No, I did not. And I saw Mike Schilt interviewed on MLB Network yesterday as the new manager. Schilt didn't say anything about cards of the that, Padres. No, but Graham <laughs> Greg Amzinger was doing the interviews, and he's a St. Louis guy. Went yeah. to Lindenwood, so you know he's. 
He is uh, locked in on the Cardinals, maybe more so than some of the other MLB guys on the MLB network. But I saw Marmol and Schilt <laughs> yesterday. And Schilt is fired up to be back managing. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, you didn't know if he... When, until you get that second managerial job, you don't know if you're ever going to get one. I'm kind of glad to see him get one because he wasn't that bad as the Cardinal manager. I mean... Manager of the year. He's, you know... he. What, did he win two division titles? Or one? I can't remember. But the Cardinals looked more like the Cardinals when he was manager, I thought. Marmol, for some reason, you know how you got confidence in some people and maybe you got too much? And then other people you are better and you don't have any confidence in him? He's kind of a guy that I don't have a lot of confidence in him as doing the right thing, bringing in the right pitcher, setting up two innings before you know, before you get to him. It just didn't strike me as a good, fundamentally tactician type of manager. But you got to go with the talent you got, too, and Cards did have a lot of injuries. Um, not, but Goldschmidt and... Barnado pretty well played the whole year, didn't he? I don't remember them going down with an injury that's going to cost you 15 games or more. And that's your two key spokes in the wheel. And before Schilt, you had uh, Mike Matheny, who, when you say fall in love with certain guys. Do you remember how much in love he was with Brandon Moss the final month of that season, 2017? Just kept running him out there. I mean, it was bad. He, he, He couldn't get a hit, and he was in the lineup every freaking day. Let me see. In September, in August, Moss hit 173. In September, he hit 234. He you just, know why? He, he pop a home run Yeah. He just put him in the lineup. Yeah, he did every one out of the park. Freaking day. Had to get him another five starts. Yeah. All right. Hello to the uh, lovely and talented uh, Dawn Sean. She is tuning into the show today. Uh, I've got a vacation day tomorrow, Jess, and we are leaving at 8 a.m. to go to Fort Wayne on Friday. So this will be our last huddle of the week. And, of course, you know what this day is. Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Julie. Hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on. I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? It's hump day. Woo-hoo! There you go, Jess. Last night, my sister, Neva, Geneva Bolin, was at my house, and we watched a movie. 
And we talked about, she listens to the show every day, and we was talking about hump day, and she talked about the, the girl that says it kind of seems like she'd be a shy kind of person that was in the wrong crowd with that group. And so she said hump day sounds just exactly like this gal on the skit. But uh, anyway, I want to say hi to my girls, too. This is Wednesday Wisdom also, so I'm going to give you at least one that you probably don't know. In Texas and Columbia, my girls and Jackson, my, my two boys. How about this one? The tallest man on record was 8 feet 11 inches tall. Robert Wadlow. Robert Wadlow. Yeah, I've read that one before. Actually, no, it says in my book he's, he's actually was 8 foot 11.1. He's from Alton, Illinois. There's yeah, a statue. that's what I got down there. There's from a Alton. statue of him in Alton. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how about this one? You may know this one. What is the most shoplifted book in America? The Bible. The Bible. The Bible is the most shoplifted book. And I think that kind of stems down from Hotels. a Bible people, in every motel, every hotel. Grab it out of the hotel. Yeah, somebody says, well, I'll just take that. So you're going to break one of the Ten Commandments, uh, thou shalt not steal, by stealing the Bible. <laughs> think the Lord would forgive you for stealing his word? Well, he'd forgive you for anything. But uh, <laughs> that's just, pretty unique that that's the number one shoplifted book you know what the most sung song is star spangled banner <laughs> oh it's got to be up there happy birthday oh yeah happy birthday song all right jess we uh will reconvene uh after the weekend we'll see Sounds you good see you over at the show me center tonight all right stay tuned Greeny is coming up on ESPN Radio. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday, everybody.